Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. For all of the notable differences between the covenant of law that characterizes the Old Testament and the new covenant of grace in the New Testament, it is the consistency of the whole of the divine revelation that is most striking. Because all the elements of the new covenant are visible in seed form in the old. Some of the most profound and significant of these seeds are found in the prophet Jeremiah. One very good example is chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns which hold no water. This same thought and even some of its language can be seen throughout the New Testament Gospel of John and in the epistles of Paul. The seeds planted in the Old Testament are developed in the New and consummate in the ultimate expression of God and His divine economy, the New Jerusalem. Ron Kangas has joined us for our fourth program in this Life Study of Jeremiah. Good to have you here, Ron. It's good to be with you on Jeremiah. There's something particularly precious about this book, especially when we touch its uh, essence or spirit. I was just enjoying, I don't say this to flatter, I'm just saying this in fellowship, just your opening word pointing us to the kernel Mm. in the book of Jeremiah. So I'm looking forward to our fellowship together and to making a contribution to ministering the intrinsic significance of the book of Jeremiah, especially in relation to God's economy, Economy. God's plan to dispense himself into us, to produce thereby a corporate expression of himself. I have a sense of happy anticipation for what is ahead. Oh, well, I likewise, especially after the first uh, three programs we've uh, been privileged to record. Once again, as we begin this new study, an Old Testament book, but I'm just so impressed, and I don't want to make that a cliche or too trite, but I am so impressed that we're being led through this book of Jeremiah by one who was with us for so many years who had a, to borrow, I guess, a a modern term, a laser-like ability to see God's economy in these Old Testament books. And it is what a privilege and what a treat it is to have such a guidance through a book like this. Don't you agree? It's a mercy of the Lord to be under such a ministry. And this ministry does not read things into the Bible. Rather, under the illumination of the Holy Spirit, it draws out the intrinsic significance of the essential matters from the depths of the Word of God and presents them in a form accessible to all the people of God, for such is our heart and our goal. Mm. Let's join Witness Lee then, Ron, for our first segment today. God's intention is to be the fountain, and the fountain means the source. 
to be the fountain of the living water, to quench all thirst, to satisfy his chosen people for their enjoyment. And what is the goal of this enjoyment? The goal is to produce the church as God's increase, as God's enlargement, to be God's fullness, to express God. All these points are in the New Testament. John 1, 1 says, the word was God. And then 14 says, this word became flesh, full of grace and truth. Then 16 says, of his fullness we all have received. Then chapter 4 of John says, I give you the living water. And then chapter 7 says, if you drink of me from deep within your inner being, Rivers will flow. Then to the end of the New Testament, Revelation, New Jerusalem comes. And with the New Jerusalem, the river flows to supply the life supply because the river grows the tree of life for the life supply to support, to sustain the entire New Jerusalem. And the entire New Jerusalem is a big sign of God's increase, for God's fullness to express himself. Could you see what is going to be developed in the New Testament is altogether as a seed sown here. The seed is sown in Jeremiah and grows out in John's Gospel and in John's Revelation. Paul strengthens this. Paul says, we all have been baptized into one body, in one spirit, and now we have been made to drink of this one spirit. You see, this drinking of God as the living water to produce his increase, his enlargement for his full expression, the salt is soon here in Jeremiah. But it grows up in the New Testament. Well, there is, I guess, an example of what we were talking about, Ron. An overview that incorporates all these essential elements of God's divine economy. Revelation being the consummation, but the seed here, clearly evident in Jeremiah. It is clearly evident once it's pointed out under the shining of the divine light. One, I would say, principle that we, along with other ministers of the word, follow is interpreting Scripture with Scripture. We understand the Bible by the Bible. Jeremiah is a book, seemingly and actually a complete unit, but we will be mistaken and deprived if we read this book even though it's in the Old Testament, without regard for the divine revelation throughout the rest of Scripture, especially in the New Testament. So in the brief segment that we just heard, we see a connection between Jeremiah 2.13, 
and the Gospel of John, especially those verses that relate to the divine dispensing through eating and drinking, eventually we find ourselves in the book of Revelation. Uh, What the listener should expect is an opening up of Jeremiah in the light of God's economy revealed throughout the Scriptures, especially in the New Testament. We admit that in Jeremiah we do not have the full development. Nowhere in the Old Testament do we have the full development because the divine revelation is progressive. But there are seeds. Jeremiah 2.13 is a wonderful seed. And if we trace this development, meaning the development of the seed in the New Testament, we will be richly illuminated and abundantly supplied with life. So this is an indicator of what we said in our opening fellowship, what awaits us in this life study of Jeremiah. It's not merely a study, it's a life study, a study in life and unto life. Ron, this point came out yesterday in the program uh, on this same verse. You know, here is Israel consumed with her failures, deplorable situation of rebellion and oh, all manner of evils and sins and idolatry and so many things the Lord could have enumerated when he puts his finger on what really has grieved him. And yet what he says in this verse, the two evils are forsaking him the fountain of living water and hewing out our own cisterns, of course, which hold no water. This is really at the elementary level or the foundational level of all of our problems as it was for Israel, isn't it? It is. Forsaking God, the fountain of living water, that's the fundamental problem, the source of all other departures. But once a person forsakes God as the fountain, that person will turn to something else. Just the human emptiness, the need, will turn that one to something else. And in the imagery of this verse, that something else is a cistern, which actually is something of an idol. If we are to be in the line of recovery, then we need to do some forsaking of another kind. We need to forsake the idolatrous replacements and return to the fountain of living waters. And that is our heart's burden in this line of ministry, that all of us will acknowledge our departure, our apostasy, and that all of us would receive mercy from the Lord. According to the book of Lamentations, mercy that is fresh every morning, mercy because of which we are not consumed, we would receive mercy to come back to the fountain and drink of the living water embodied in Christ and transmitted into us through the life-giving Spirit. Let's go back to Witness Lee. From Genesis to Revelation, God's economy just spends himself as the living water to produce the increase of God for God's expression. Israel was to drink of God at the fountain of living water 
that they could be God's enlargement and increase even to be God's fullness in the Old Testament time for God's expression. But they failed. By what did they fail? They forsook God. They put God aside. They go to another source, to another tree. Two evils. First evil is to forsake God. And the second evil is to hew out many cisterns. And all the cisterns, they don't hold water. There's nothing that can quench you, nothing that can satisfy you, nothing can make you the enlargement of God. God intended to dispense himself into us for his increase, yet we forsook him. We went away. You know, even Jeremiah, like the Bible, likens God as the husband. God was the husband to Israel, to his elect. According to principle, when the husband divorced the wife, that's it. And the husband would never receive the wife back. But God broke this principle. God says, even so, I will still receive you back. Why? Because I love you. I love you with the everlasting love. And this love implies the tender heart, implies loving kindness, implies compassion. Because of my loving kindness, my compassion, I would not throw you away as a pottery. I would not give you up as a divorced wife. You fail, but my compassions do not fail. It is renewed every morning. Well, here's that verse that you just referred to in Lamentations uh, in an application that I think should not be lost upon any of us. We all need uh, this realization that regardless of our condition, uh, we have one that never fails in his compassions toward us, don't we? This is our God. He is not only righteous, but compassionate. And even though this may appear redundant, he is not only compassionate, he is righteous. And these two divine attributes, righteousness and compassion, are exhibited in the book of Jeremiah and in the Lamentations. God, in his righteousness, must judge the idolatry among his people. But the righteous God is also the compassionate God. Imagine, Chris, where we would be if God dealt with us according to strict, unmitigated righteousness without compassion. We would be obliterated. Our situation would be hopeless. We would have no way to return to him. But God's righteousness is matched by his compassion. And in Lamentations chapter 3, written after the full execution of God's judgment upon the city of Jerusalem and the house of God in Jerusalem, we have this verse about, it is because of the Lord's compassions that we are not consumed. They are new, they're fresh every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So we need to touch this attribute of compassion in God 
because he wants us back. He has made a way through the redemption accomplished by Christ for us to come back. And even though we have gone astray, forsaken him as the fountain of living waters, hewed out one cistern after another, he still is calling us back through the redemption of Christ with the forgiveness of sins made available through it, we come back in the Spirit through Christ to the Father as the fountain. And we, with God, begin again to drink him and thereby receive his dispensing to become his expression for his satisfaction. Ultimately, the compassion prevails. And we, ones who have failed him again and again, are brought back through the tender mercies of God to the fountain. This is altogether due to the mercy and grace of God, not to anything in ourselves or of ourselves. But praise him, we're at the fountain, even we're in the fountain, drinking in God for his economy. Amen. I uh, can echo your sensation, Ron. I believe the Lord has faithfully brought us back to the fountain for this program, and we have one more section to go. Trust that we will remain in the fountain, for it's a strong word. Going back to this matter of idolatry that you mentioned and how it may apply even to us who may never consider that this could be a problem for ourselves. Here's Witness Lee once more. My compassion are new every morning. I quite often consider Maya for these many thousand days, every day new sunshine. The whole earth every day is offending God. You think about in what day the world doesn't offend God. You read the newspaper. All kinds of murders, all kinds of thefts, all kinds of sins. If we were a God, we would say, give up the earth, let it go. But every day the sun rises up. Every morning God's compassions are new, just like the dew, morning dew. It is by these that we, the sinners, we, God's selected people, yet distracted from him. It is due to God's compassion. God would not give up us. He would not. God says, even so, I will still receive you back. Let me share with you. I have to confess. Every day we worship idols. Don't you worship idols? Don't you treasure something other than God? Don't think only Israel were that bad. You were also. You are. Think about it. Every day we treasure something other than God. We were Israel. Based upon this principle, every day we have idols. This is why God rebuked Israel, Israel, Israel. You have idols, so many as your cities. We have idols. Hallelujah. He has compassion. We are so evil, yet he is so compassionate. It is his loving kindness that we are not consumed. Well, Ron, I can imagine that 
Maybe a number of our listeners are thinking, well, I have a lot of problems, but I don't worship idols. What's he talking about here? No, we may not worship idols of wood, of stone. This is really not the thought in our brother's ministry here. This word is related to something deeper, more intrinsic than simply regarding an idol as some object erected as a supposed god that people worship. If idols were only that, why would the Apostle John have ended his first epistle with the word, little children, guard yourselves from the idols? The point here is that when someone turns away from God, the fountain of living waters, and becomes devoted to something else, that something else is a replacement of God, receiving the love, receiving the attention, receiving the service that belong to God alone. So by an idol, what we mean is anything that we love, that we treasure, that we enjoy, that replaces God. Married life is ordained of the Lord. For a brother to love his wife is commanded of the Lord. To enjoy married life is blessed by the Lord. But it's possible for one to make one's marriage a broken cistern, Mm -hmm. something you treasure instead of God. So almost anything, anyone, any matter, any endeavor can become a replacement of God. If we love the Lord and we love the light and we fear and tremble before his word, we should be willing to open our hearts to him and allow him to shine on anything in our heart, anything in our possession, anything in our living that we turn to in such a way that we turn away from God and become occupied with something in place of God. So we need the light to shine on us so that we do not hide from the truth, that we do not avoid seeing the real situation. But once the light shines on us and we acknowledge what our condition and situation actually are, then and only then can we appreciate God's compassions. God is having compassion on whom? On perfect people? There are none. He is having compassion on repentant, returning idolaters. Those who forsook him, those who were devoted to things in place of him, but now stricken, empty, like the prodigal in Luke 15, are returning to him. He meets us with compassions. Actually, we need to go one step further. God's compassion with his mercy and grace is so great that he actually is the one who prompts us to be dissatisfied with our cisterns. He motivates us to turn to him. This was not something we did by our own will, by our own energy. He has mercy to give us the feeling to turn back to him, 
when we turn back to him, the mercy becomes compassion. Then we enjoy his compassion every morning. We live in a time of God's limitless compassion. And I can testify, I need it every morning. Every morning, I have something that in the sight of God is a real shortcoming. And for this, I need the Lord's mercy, the Lord's grace, the Lord's compassion. Our testimony is, the righteous God is compassionate. We can return to him as the fountain of living waters, delight in him, enjoy him, be filled with him, be one with him, live him, and express him corporately. This is God's economy. Mm. I like his last line in uh, his third section there, Ron. We have idols. He has compassion. We are so evil. He is so compassionate. Praise him. Thanks for your fellowship. You're welcome. Our time is up. You have our invitation to contact us so that you can receive the printed Life Study volume that accompanies this Life Study of Jeremiah. That toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. To discover more of what Living Stream has to offer, please visit ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll be able to read over 600 titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee online and free of charge. Again, the website, ministrybooks.org. Thanks for listening today.